I know that there are a lot of Airstream renovators that if they hear this, they're going to be like, are you nuts? But no, there's something really relaxing about moving that polisher over the skin. I love the work of it. I put my headphones in. I listen to podcasts. I listen to music and just go. Even if you've never heard of an Airstream, you probably know what they look like. These iconic travel trailers from the 1950s have become a hot commodity for renovation into beautiful, lightweight, tiny homes. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and this is episode 212 with Kate Oliver. Kate is the author of the new book, The Modern Caravan, telling the stories of beautiful Airstream conversions and the people who live in them through words and gorgeous photographs. Kate and her wife and daughter started off their journey by renovating an Airstream and living on the road for several years. I'm excited to share our conversation with you where we get into the nitty gritty of finding and renovating a vintage Airstream trailer. Let's face it, most tiny house dwellers want their tiny homes to be small but not uncomfortable. That means reliable, unlimited hot water. Precision Temp's propane-fired hot water heaters reliably provide unlimited hot water, and they're specifically designed with tiny homes in mind. In fact, the NSP 550 model was installed in my own tiny home, and the reason I chose it was because it did not require a large hole in the side of my home like other RV hot water heaters. Instead, it mounts discreetly through the floor of the tiny house and works quietly and reliably. Right now, Precision Temp is offering $50 off any unit plus free shipping when you use the coupon code THLP. So head over to precisiontemp.com and use the coupon code THLP at checkout. All right, I am here with Kate Oliver. Kate Oliver is a designer, writer, photographer, and author of the book, The Modern Caravan, Stories of Love, Beauty, and Adventure on the Open Road. She lives on the road with her wife and daughter for four years in a vintage Airstream and is now renovating a small house and studio in the woods. She and her wife are the founders of The Modern Caravan, a company that builds and inspires caravan renovations. Together, they have converted many caravans into beautiful, functional rolling homes. Kate Oliver, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Uh, I've been really excited to have you on. Uh, I I have a copy of The Modern Caravan, and it's a it's a really beautiful book. I've really enjoyed looking through it, reading the stories of of the various people you profiled, and just the beautiful photography. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's uh, it was a long uh, t- it's been a long time coming. Actually, um, been working on it for four years. So to mm-hmm. have it and be able to hold it and share it with people. It's a little surreal. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, I'm curious, you know, I, I want to kind of rewind back, you know, before you started the company and all that. You know, how did you end up in a caravan? Or I guess my question is written is, how did you end up in an Airstream? But I've noticed that you've <laughs> used the word caravan and I, that seems yeah. intentional. It is very intentional. Yeah. Um, but to to back up and yeah. answer your question. I, in 2014, mm-hmm. like early 2014, you know, before hashtag van life, you know, my wife and I had really been questioning the way that we were living our lives. And we were talking about what it meant to live an intentional and purposeful life. Mm-hmm. And 
what that would look like for us. And so we we defined it first. We said that what we wanted was more time together as a family. We wanted time to create. Both of us are artists. Um, we wanted we wanted to feel like we could experience things. We were in this tiny town and in Kentucky, and we were just like, there's got to be more. And you know, we also each had individual reasons. For me, um, I had a really rough childhood and my early adult years were really, really difficult for me. And I was just sort of emerging from all of that and just like, wait, like, what do I want? Who am I? You know, I had these really big questions that I wanted to answer. And, um, and my wife was, she had sort of followed the checklist. She had done all of the things that she was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. get the job and buy the house and you know and she wasn't satisfied in that and so like all of those reasons it wasn't like there was just this one there were there were many individual and shared reasons and but there wasn't like this answer we just were like we want something else that's not mm-hmm. this and when we decided that we wanted to travel uh it was me i, I found this um this photographer named Michael Newstead, and he was traveling with his band and they were touring and there were, and he's taking all these beautiful film photographs and I got sucked into the the imagery. And then I was looking and somebody maybe in the band had a little girl that they were bringing with them on tour. And I was like, Oh wait, okay, we could do that. We have a little girl. She was about the same age. And I was like, and it was, that was it. It was like, we're going to go and we're going to travel. And so I texted my wife and I said, do you want to, you want to do this? Do you want to sell all of our stuff and go hit the road? And she said, yes. And I was, I was shocked, but yeah, we were both just right from the beginning. This is what we are going to do. And then we decided on an Airstream. Uh, we looked at, we looked at school buses at the time schoolies were not what they are now. And there were a lot of campgrounds that didn't even allow them in. I don't know if that's still the case, but at the time, you know, we just didn't want to be limited in where we could go. And so we were like, okay, let's maybe look at a pull behind something that we can, you know, we needed to safely have our kid in the car. And so like a big RV didn't feel like the right option. So let's Mm -hmm. do a pull behind. And, you know, and then it was, we came across Airstreams and it was like, yes, that's it. The, the, the vintage models, especially really spoke to me. They were so iconic and so beautiful. And for two artists, the aesthetics of something is important. And we knew that we could make the interior, whatever we wanted. So to start with that, like solid exterior, uh, that was so beautiful. That's where we landed. Nice. And so what, um, what year Airstream, what size Airstream? Can you tell us a little bit more yeah. about your about your rig? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a 1957 Airstream Overlander. It was 27 feet long. It was a single axle, which was terrifying a lot of the time to have 27 feet on a single axle. But gosh, that you can't beat those beautiful vintage models. Yeah, 1957. So what what kind of, I would imagine that like, axles and springs and wheels and tires and all, all kinds of things need to be upgraded or at least maintained on a on a trailer that old. Yeah, absolutely. Um we had everything inspected. So we had, you know, at the time we knew nothing about any of this. I didn't even know how to use a drill properly. Um mm-hmm. so the fact that we run this business just shows how far we've come. But I I mean Ellen had a lot of building experience, but neither of us had experience with things like axles and 
and leaf springs. And so we had this, you know, we had the leaf springs inspected. I remember that. And then, um, and they were fine. And then, you know, but we upgraded, we put on new tires and, you know, repacked the bearings and, and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, now every single project that comes through us would get everything new. We don't even, we don't say, okay, yeah, this is good enough. We, we, we just change it out. Yeah. But at the time we were on such a small budget that we were like, okay, let's make it work. If we have to replace something, we will, but if we don't, let's not. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So you were kind of piecemealing this trailer. And, and so when you say that any project that comes through you will have these things new, so mm-hmm. do you still kind of specialize in renovating these vintage Airstreams? Yes. Yeah. That's primarily what we work with. Although mm-hmm. right now we are working with a new Airstream. We're working with a 2019, which is oh, wow. the first time that we've done that, you know, so that obviously everything was still, it had never even been used. So, you know, it was a little bit different, but yeah, everything else that we have done has been, you know, pre-1994. Cool. Um, so, so with your particular Airstream, um, how long did it take to, to convert into, you know, what you ended up traveling in? It took us a year and then some, Uh it was a year from the day. It's so strange, but the day that we bought it was May 29th, 2014. And then the day that we moved into it and, or I rather left, uh, left Kentucky was May 29th, Mm -hmm. 2015. It was like a year to the date. It wasn't planned that way. Just happened to be that way. And then we continued to do some work on it, like as we were traveling, which was really challenging, but, yeah. um, but there was still more things to do. Like when we left, we didn't have any plumbing done. We didn't. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I initially, I did it wrong when I did the plumbing. And so we had to redo the plumbing. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing I think that is aesthetically beautiful about Airstreams, other than that, that beautiful metal exterior is something that also to my eye makes them very challenging looking to renovate which is that there are no there's there's like no 90 degree angles anywhere everything seems (laughs) like everything is curved inside so yeah can you talk about some of the like special considerations or, or special things that that you've learned about you know converting these or renovating these trailers well, there's a lot, but to speak to the curvature of the airstreams, that was the that was the big challenge when building. You know, it's like mm-hmm. how do you build a cabinet that is up against a curve? You know, and and really, what it comes down to is, uh, you know, heavy use of a jigsaw. Yeah. You know, you and and marking where it needs to be cut. You know, um, at first we used a lot of templates. Okay. But now we have this tool that we can actually like mark the curve with. Oh, cool. But at first we used a lot of cardboard templates and a lot of, you know, trial and error, a washer with pencil stuck through it, you know, to mark on the, you know, because you can run that along the curve. Wow. And then it's on the piece of plywood. I'm not explaining that very well, I don't think. But, um, yeah, so that that was huge. And then also there's nothing is level. You know, mm. there's nothing is ever perfectly level in any sort of anything on wheels. So, you know, we had to learn how to 
lower our standards of perfectionism a little bit and just be like, actually, that's going to look like it's level. It's going to function like it's level, but it's not actually level. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I kind of remember were the, that. Those were big things. I remember that yeah. when I was building my tiny house too. Like yeah. you would kind of put a level to the floor and then see that that was like slightly off. And then when you're putting in the countertop, you just kind of like, okay, let's just make sure it's off the same amount. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, there's just, it's, there are just different considerations that we have to make when building a tiny home of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, you know, insulation, heating and cooling stuff when, when these are renovated, do you generally rip them down to the frame and then kind of build back up on the inside? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything is ripped down to the, to the frame. Um, and you know, so it's like, you can, any, any one of our projects, like you'll be able to stand inside of it and Mm -hmm. your feet can be on the earth, but you know, your legs are through the bars of the chassis and then you're looking at the exposed, you know, Mm-hmm. They call them ribs on an airstream. So yep. all of this interior structure is just ribs and then the, the exterior skin. Yep. So yeah, we take everything down. We also n- now offer shell off renovations. So we actually, because we have a studio, the shell actually is raised up and the chassis is moved out. And then we have a welder come out and do any sort of repairs to the chassis. And then, wow. you know, the subfloor goes on and then we put all the tanks in at that time. It's so much easier to do it that way. And also will make us more structurally sound right. project, but it is more work to get the shell off initially, uh-huh. but it's, uh-huh. all, it's so worth it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a big, that sounds like a big job, but that's cool that the shell can come off. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's pretty wild to come into the studio and it's so fun when we have people over to look at what we're doing and we've got, we're in that stage because mm-hmm. they come in and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, there's, it's like this, you know, it's just hanging from the ceiling and yeah. then the rest of it is over to the side, you know, I, it kind of blows people's minds a little bit to see it all dismantled like that. And then to know that it can be put back together and, you know, and then be built out. And I think yeah. that, it, yeah, it's, it's fun to see people's reactions to that. Yeah. And, and so the, the exterior of these are, is it, is it stainless steel or aluminum? It's aluminum. Aluminum. Okay. It's aluminum. Yeah. So it's very light and doesn't, it's doesn't corrode. very light. It doesn't. And, uh, and it can polish up to a mirror shine, which is really beautiful. Yeah. That's, that's actually one of my favorite tasks. I know that there are a lot of Airstream renovators that if they hear this, they're going to be like, are you nuts? Uh, and, but no, there's something really relaxing about moving that polisher over the skin until it, you know, you know, and just doing, do, I mean, yeah, I love the work of it. I put my headphones in, I listen to podcasts, I yeah. listen to music and just go. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the, of cool. all of it. All right. Do you also enjoy painting? I don't enjoy painting. Okay. I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. I do enjoy staining though. So. All right. Yeah. Close enough. I, I feel like there's like <laughs> people who enjoy those kind of repetitive tasks and those who don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are. And I, I think with painting though, I just make such a mess. Like I get paint everywhere yeah. and all over me and I'm dripping it everywhere, you know, with stain or polish, like it's a little less messy. And yeah. so I think that's probably why I don't, why there's a, you know, I, I don't fully fit into that category of liking those monotonous tasks. Sure. Sure. 
Yeah. So it, speaking of paint, it looks like many of the the airstreams are, you know, painted painted walls. Um mm-hmm. and what is it looks like a luon or some kind of light, you know, thin plywood that you use on the inside. So actually most of our projects are the original aluminum walls and oh, we wow. just paint them. Oh, okay. But we also have done and are doing currently projects with what it's it's known as bender board ply, which okay. it has the cross grain allows it to bend. So like you mm-hmm. can literally pick up a piece of plywood and it's flexing. Yeah. And so that allows us to work with the curvature. So we did that on a project uh, that we did in Arizona and then we're doing that or we have done that for our current clients. Cool. And yeah. that's my favorite actually working with the bender board ply and doing the wood walls inside. It's so warm. Yeah. And when you walk in, it just sort of feels like this hug. But most people want our sort of traditional white walls, which I get. It makes it feel really spacious inside the Airstream. Yeah, it's a very iconic look. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so what does, um, I, well, I guess there are lots of different lengths, but like, you know, what did your Airstream weigh? I think 3,500 pounds, if I'm remembering, you know, we actually have lived in three different airstreams. So, you know, sometimes I'm like, I have to really think about it. It was a while ago. Been a lot of sleeps since 2014. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, yeah. And that's like, that's significant because what was the length that you said that you're 27 feet? Yeah. 27 feet. I mean, like a a 27 foot tiny house on wheels is going to weigh 12 to 15,000 pounds. Yeah, so much heavier. Although yeah. our, our current Airstream that we still, we're not traveling in anymore, yeah. um, full time anyway, but our current Airstream is like 9,000 pounds okay. and it's 30 feet long. So, okay. you know, we, it's a little heavier, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, it's, you know, it's, it's a really appealing option if you do want to travel more frequently um, than, yeah. you know, than a tiny house on wheels for sure. Yeah. Although we do have, we do have a dream of, building a small house mm-hmm. probably under a thousand square feet somewhere at some point nice it's been a long time dream and so i find myself sketching plans mm-hmm. pretty regularly for for that house nice nice and yeah. and do you do you envision like staying there all the time or just kind of that being a home base for for further travel home base for further travel so our daughter is 12 now okay so when we first got on the road, she was five mm-hmm. and now she's 12 and she's going to be in middle school next year. And so right now we're really here. Uh, we're, we're staying put because she is really happy having school and friends and a social life. And, you know, she does all these ac- activities. So right now, like we're, we're not traveling as much as mm-hmm. we thought we would be mm-hmm. when we settled down and bought a house. But um, I think that in the future, we, we probably will again, at least in the summers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So has the like, have vintage Airstreams become really hard to find? Have they, you know, as the popularity of of renovating them, have the costs yeah, gone I mean, up? You, you can still find them. Yeah. Uh, but yes, the costs have gone up considerably. Um, just, just as an example, you know, we bought our first Airstream for $4,000 in 2014, uh, you know, for 1957. Um, and then last year we bought a 1978 trade wind mm-hmm. and it was $20,000. Wow. Yeah. Cause and, I, you know, I $20,000 to gut something. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I, cause I just, I was curious before the show and I just popped onto Craigslist in Vermont and just searched Airstream. There's a, there's yeah. a vintage that it doesn't say what year it is, but it's $22,000 and it looks like it needs to be gutted in terms of, you know, it's just the original interior. Or- yeah. It's sort of unreal because, you know, we never really thought that we would, I know that we played a part in that, you know, we played this, my wife and I played a part mm-hmm. in help popularizing this. And so it's so, it's so silly to me to have to pay that much for something that I kind of was a contributor to, like, mm. you know, um, if, you know, not to like to, to my own horn or anything, but, you know, we, we were kind of on the, the leading edge of it. You know, it wasn't this popular thing. Their yeah. streams have always been well loved, but mm-hmm. you know, there's, but I, you know, I think this sort of modern trend of renovating airstreams, you know, we were, we were part of making that known and popular and exciting. And, and now to see the prices or have to pay the prices for something that we're just going to gut, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are there other vintage trailers that were built this way, like with that aluminum outside, or is that like, is it only airstreams? It's not only airstreams. Actually, okay. if you if you look at my book, there are a couple of Spartans which okay. were produced for a very limited time in the I don't remember when I'm sorry, I don't remember the dates, okay. but they were produced for a really limited time. And so they're they're harder to find. Mm-hmm. But they are they are stunning. I would love to renovate a Spartan at some point because I'm just obsessed with the way that they look. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one that's coming to mind, you know, right off the bat. There's silver streaks. Um there are other aluminum trailers. Airstream really took the market though. From what I from the history that I have read, Airstream sort of took the market. Yeah, it seemed it seems like it. Yeah, I mean there it's like the statistic is something it might be different now, I don't know, but when we first got an Airstream, one of the things that drew us to it was I read that 70% of all Airstreams that were ever made since the 1930s are still on the road today. And, you know, so that was, a, I was like, wow, then it must be pretty well made. That's incredible. Yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. I asked John and Finn Kernahan of United Tiny House Association what they love about their precision temp hot water heaters. And here's what they told me. Hey, Ethan, uh, this is uh, John and Finn Kernahan with United Tiny House Association. We organize tiny house basketball. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, First and foremost. We have a total of three precision temp on-demand hot water heaters. The, the thing we really like about these, and, and, and folks know this, I think they picked this up on Finn and I, if we don't like something, you'll never hear us talk about it. So the two things we noticed, uh, that, that we noticed and experienced immediately, uh, they took painstaking effort to make sure that it was done right and installed. And so that, that was pretty cool right there. The other thing is the continuous on-demand hot water that just ran forever without any fluctuations or anything. I I can't imagine an application, especially in our environment and our lifestyle of being the the, the nomad, transportable, mobile, uh, tiny lifestyle where um, one of these units aren't um, uh, good to use. And I suppose, you know, the the original interiors probably aren't still in use, but being able to just strip it down to the aluminum that never mm-hmm. rusts. Are the ribs of aluminum too? The ribs are aluminum. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. so cool. We do know, you know, just sort of through Instagram, uh, there is a man in New Mexico mm-hmm. who restores vintage Airstreams. Yeah. 
So he's he's not doing what we're doing where we're putting in all new like modern amenities. He's actually refurbishing what is already there. And I really admire his dedication to his craft because I feel like that would be far more challenging in a lot of ways to have yeah. to bring it back to its former glory. Right. And to find, to either find or build the interior to match what was there before. What was there. Yeah. I like, I really admire that a lot. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's certainly anybody who does that kind of restoration work. That's like a whole nother level of, of attention to detail. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, somebody who is looking for a vintage Airstream, do you have any tips of like what to look for in terms of like if you're shopping for a vintage one? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're planning on, you know, completely gutting it and taking it down to the chassis and the and the frame, you know, and like what we do, uh-huh. really what I would advise is just to not just to find something that doesn't have any major dents on the outside. Because if you're gonna be doing all of that work anyway, if you're gonna replace windows, like you might as you because know, you, you really never know what you're digging into anyway until you start digging in. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be my biggest piece of advice is just don't get anything that has large dents because that's when the it's really expensive to have professionals replace the exterior skin. Okay, and can that be done in yeah. pieces? Like if there's yes. an uh, yes. okay, because it yeah. looks like yeah. they are kind of sections of of this aluminum. Yeah, they are sections of aluminum and they're held together by buck rivets on the exterior. The interior skins are generally attached with pop rivets um okay. and then the exterior is buck rivets which are supposed to be you know that they're more watertight. Okay. I mean, I'm going to air quote here watertight um you know rivets are still there's Airstreams are not leak proof. Um, right. <laughs> that that would be my other piece of advice. Do not ever let a seller tell you that that Airstream doesn't leak. It does. Okay. They they don't know. <laughs> okay. And yeah. that's, I mean, I've heard that about from a, many people who have, you know, just bought any RV mm-hmm. to, to live in temporarily or travel in. It's always, it's leaking. Well, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we have to remember that when you're hauling a trailer down the road, like everything is shifting and moving. It's like, it's literally like an earthquake inside. And so if you're putting your rigs through that all the time, like things are going to loosen up and open up and you're going to have leaks. Yeah. And so what, what do you do in the shop to, do you try to reseal those, those, um, junctions between the panels or, yeah, it's a little bit more yeah. complicated than that. Yeah. The the biggest piece of our work is waterproofing, though, and making mm-hmm. sure that everything is sealed up before we put it back together. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are a lot of things that go into that. Sometimes that is replacement of windows and some, you know, sometimes we need to replace the air conditioner, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like waterproofing is more than just inspecting and sealing up every single rivet or line yeah. between where the aluminum meets and overlaps it it's a it's the longest most tedious process for us got it wow yeah Yeah. and i I would imagine that anybody who's getting one of these would want to do that oh yeah absolutely there there's really no point in building up or out in a 
Airstream that you know is leaking or has a you know rusted chassis. You know, right. so it's, that's why we we really encourage people to you know to dig down as far as they can go and then build back up because that's the only way that you can know that you are safe. You know that it's roadworthy and watertight. Right, you're going to end up just ruining all the work, all the beautiful woodwork that you do if you let it leak into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, like the new Airstreams that are being produced, are they like, is that the same company as before or is that like, yeah. okay, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they... Yeah, they, I'm, I'm sure that Airstream is really enjoying the fact that Airstreams are so popular. Yeah, no, I, I was yeah. looking at the prices for new Airstreams are, are pretty, like, I, I was a little bit shocked. I mean, they're like yeah. 50, 60, 70, 80, $90,000. Yeah. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just like, that's, I mean, well, in some parts of the country, you can buy a house for that. Not many, but some. Right. Right. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So how many Airstreams are you renovating per year? Right now we are trying to do just one per year. Okay. There were times where we had talked about expanding and having a big team and, Mm -hmm. It's just not the way we want to take things. We really like to do things ourselves and you know take our time. It used mm-hmm. to be that we were moving at a faster clip, uh, but we found that that was really unsustainable. I mean, it mm-hmm. is really demanding physical labor, you know, and managing the budgets and working with clients and doing the design and doing all you know, like yeah. it's it was it's a lot. too much to keep you know for just the two of us to be turning over two or three air streams a year. Yeah. So we move at a slower pace now and it's much more conducive to us having um, a healthy work-life balance because that yeah. is a thing. It is, a, it is possible to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, yeah. it's cool that, that you're kind of a, certainly a boutique shop, you know, doing one a year. Yeah. Yeah. Finding the right person to work with and, and designing mm-hmm. this custom Airstream. Yeah, it's really it's really important that we have a good relationship with our clients. And so we do choose who we work with and uh, because it is such a personal process and it is a year, you yeah. know, of their lives and our lives and so we want to make sure that we have this like really great working relationship. And we are really um thankful. We have some really really great clients. Nice. Nice. Um, well, your book, um, The Modern Caravan, is is beautiful. And I was hoping maybe you could, um, you know, the, the format of the book is that you you profile several different, usually couples who are are traveling yeah. in, in Airstreams or other mobile homes, for lack of a better yeah. term, caravans. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could you maybe tell us about one or two of those, those profiles? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the... First people that are coming to mind would be my friends, Laura Guidry and Mark Bilbao. Mark is actually an architecture student and a furniture designer. And Laura is a writer. Mm -hmm. And uh, I chose them for the book because they were doing something that I had not seen anyone else do. They really worked with the curves of the Airstream. And so Mm -hmm. like if you when you're looking at the in the book and you're looking at the pictures, they they integrated curvature into the build itself. And so yeah. there's this arched doorway and 
and it's just it was so fluid and interesting and it looked like a home but it also still felt like an airstream mm-hmm. you know it you know i was seeing at the time that there was this trend where we were going to where it looked like you weren't even in an airstream anymore it mm. was like and they were doing something that was different and set apart and i just was like i want to meet these people i want <laughs> i want to know yeah. why they made the choices that they made and um and and it turned out that we got along really great and they are wonderful friends and i actually work like mark does some of our um drawings and things for us now for the business so i hire him to to do those things and so it it's um but yeah hearing their story they they did their build on this like micro budget which also really spoke to me because mm-hmm. our first build was done you know for you know pennies it felt mm-hmm. like at times and uh yeah so i i really loved getting to meet them and and talking with them about design and what it was like to build in a tiny space yeah are they the one they bought their airstream for like six hundred dollars or something right yeah it was like a, yeah it was like a few hundred dollars it was oh my gosh you know just abs yeah good good memory but yeah they um i still can't get over that yeah although yeah. i have bought an airstream for three hundred dollars so. wow Long time ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was going to say yeah, long time, long time or, ago. Or just if somebody doesn't really know what they have or just wants to get rid of it fast, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got to look around for those deals. We found it while we were traveling uh-huh. uh, in our, with our first year stream and yeah. we, it was abandoned. And so we just started asking around to find out whose it was. And the guy ran a seaweed snack food company. And he's like, I just don't really need it. You can you know, just take it 300 bucks. We, you know, and, and Ellen called me, my wife called me and she's like, we have to take it, right? Like, I don't know what we're yeah. going to do with it. We've got to take this, you like, to right? Take you it. know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we did. Yeah. yeah. How did you get it home? Oh, um, well, so we were in a campground and yeah. so we just paid to park it there. And then, um, and then we turned around and we sold it to some friends of ours for five thousand dollars, and yeah. they put some work into it, and then they sold it for twenty. And you know, it's like it just, uh, but it didn't, it didn't stay rotting, right, in a forest, right? right. It was Everyone's a it got, yeah, yeah. It just kept moving through different hands, and it actually was being used again. And that's all we really wanted was for it to be used. Yeah, I'm waiting personally for the like post pandemic glut of vans. That are gonna that I'm like hoping are gonna exist because it, you know, it seemed like for a while you couldn't buy a, a like cargo van to convert because like everybody was buying them. But everybody I, I just, was buying them. I yeah. think there's gonna be like a the the tide is going to ebb and and. Do you think so? I've no. been wondering that. <laughs> like, are we going to see people? Start to be like, okay, well, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It looks different than it does on Instagram. Like, are we gonna yeah. see? I mean, I'm one. I I am wondering that. I think I personally think that there will be just just because like, and you're already we're already seeing people coming back to cities who like, yeah, left for the pandemic, and they're remember you know remembering. Oh, I I like living in a city, and yeah, and I think that for vans. I think there are a lot of bands that were purchased during quarantine to, Hey, let's hit yeah. the road, but you yeah. know, they'll be sitting and rotting, hopefully not rotting too much, but hopefully, hopefully not rotting too much. Yeah. There was a lot of, we got a lot of inquiry in 
like summer of 2020 yeah. through summer 2021, our inquiries definitely increased. And I did notice that most of them said something along the lines of, I want to seize the day, or if I yeah. can't, you know, if I have to be in lockdown, then I'm going to go be in quote unquote lockdown yep. Yep. out where I'm not around anyone else. And yeah. um, so I, I am sort of wondering, I was talking with an old uh, road life friend and she and her partner used to be in an Airstream and then they were in a van. Now they're in a sailboat. Ah. And yeah, really cool. And she was wondering the same thing. She's like, are we going to see this trend die down? And, and I said, you know what though? I've been saying for years that I'm afraid that the trend is going to go away mm. because I've now my livelihood is built on it and it doesn't go away. It just, I just see more and more people hitting the road, which is, I'm not sure how I feel about that actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think, I don't think it's ever going to go away either, but yeah, there'll be, yeah. and, and, and at one per year, I think you'll be able to find somebody every year. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love, um, could you talk a little bit about the, the bowler trailer in your book? Cause I love those little, it's like the, the tiny oh, little yeah. one, the little bean. They look like, yeah, they look like a little egg. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, I think it's, if I'm remembering right, it's 13 feet Yeah, and it's teeny tiny and the owner really, she doesn't live in it. She just takes it out to yeah. go camping and go on adventures. But yeah, I love bowlers and yeah like the casitas and what's the other one I'm struggling to remember a uh, scamp. My yeah. in-laws have scamps. one. Yeah. The scamps are really, really cute. Uh, our, uh, my in-laws bought their scam after we got our Airstream and they were mm -hmm. like, Oh wait, maybe we could do something like that too. And yeah, they don't travel full time, but they take it out and go camping and everything. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I love those little fiberglass trailers. I think they're so darling. Yeah, they are. Darling. I would love to do a renovation in one. Yeah, yeah, and they're also fiberglass, much easier to repair yourself than than aluminum. Yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. As somebody who yeah. who rides and breaks and dents surfboards occasionally, I know that it's easier to repair fiberglass than it is aluminum. Yes, fiberglass. Actually, we do fiberglass, custom fiberglass showers now in oh, our builds. Okay, and so we we work with fiberglass in that way, and mm -hmm. and it's you know. You, you know, it's a pretty stinky, time-consuming process, but yeah. the results can be really, really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned uh, Michael Newstead earlier. Um, is there yeah. anyone, any other people, books, YouTube channels, things that influ or that, that either influenced you or inspired you or helped you when you were kind of starting out that you'd like to share? Yeah. So we... Before we had decided to travel, we were obsessed with Lloyd Kahn mm. and his books. And so we had uh, Tiny Home Simple Shelter on yeah. our bookshelf already and yeah. had just like, I mean, would pour through that book and make notes. And so that was a huge influence for us. We also really liked, we had a book on nomadic, it was called Nomadic Furniture. And it was yeah. about all of this, you know, furniture that you could build that would have multiple uses. Yeah. So that was a really big thing. YouTube was not a thing in 2014. I mean, it was a thing, but not so much for, you know, like now yeah. you can search van life or Airstream renovation and, you know, there are tons of channels and videos that didn't exist. So yeah. when we were starting this, we had to really sort of piece it all together and figure out how to do it on our own. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing about, you know, uh, today's nomads. There's less of that 
you know, and I'm really grateful that we did it when we had to figure it out on our Mm -hmm. own. I know that might sound strange to say, but you know, there was, it, it made it really special that we did it without, without a lot of influence from other people. Well, where, where can people find you and, and your book? Okay. So you can find me in a couple different places. Themoderncaravan.com is my business and you can find the book there as well. You can find me on Instagram as The Modern Caravan. Also, I am on Instagram. Like my personal, like more personal side of life and writing is at Burton Pine. And then you can also find me at kateoliver.co. Nice. Well, Kate Oliver, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Thanks so much, Ethan. This was fun. Thank you so much to Kate Oliver for being a guest on the show today. You can find the show notes, including links to The Modern Caravan and some of my favorite photos from the book at thetinyhouse.net slash 212. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 212. Well, that's all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.